0: to Meanwhile in the Future. We're back from our little break and ready to take some more trips to tomorrow. I'm Rose and I'm your host. If you're new, Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast about the future. Every week we tackle a specific future scenario. Everything from artificial wombs to living forever in prison. Every episode starts with a field trip into the future to check out what it looks like. Then we come back to now to talk to some experts about what that future would really look like. Ready? Great. This week we're going to the year 2027. Your life, your world, your energy, you live and breathe it, you touch and smell it, and now you don't have to stop to capture it. Meet your new best friend, the butterfly. The butterfly is the world's first selfie drone. After just a few minutes, the butterfly learns to recognize your face and the faces of your friends, family, and even pets. You don't have to worry about taking another selfie again. No more clunky cameras, awkward reaching, or selfie sticks. Just let the butterfly float around you, capturing your adventures, your loved ones, and your true, authentic life. The butterfly does it all, gracefully, all without ever having to push a button. Let the butterfly capture your best life. All you have to do is live.
1: It's a scary world out there, and your kids are going to have to face it sooner or later. How do you know that they're safe? They're not getting into trouble. They're not taking the wrong route home. Before you might have relied on cell phones or their bracelet trackers, but you and I both know that kids are smart enough to evade those. Now there's a better way. Flysafe is an unobtrusive monitor that can keep track of your kids without embarrassing them. The small flying monitor simply learns to recognize your child's face and body and keeps an eye on them when you tell it to. You can keep your kids safe all day or just to and from school. It's your choice. The camera feeds to an online site and as many as seven different fly saves can be controlled from our easy to use website. And if the watchful eye does see something dangerous, it can alert the police before you even raise a finger. Don't worry about your kids anymore. Let FlySafe get them home safe.
0: Okay, so in this future, everybody, or almost everybody, has a personal drone that they can use for everything from taking photos of themselves to tracking their children. There are a million ways people are talking about using drones right now, everything from delivery drones to police drones to journalism drones. But that's a lot to cover, so in this episode, we're going to talk specifically about consumer drones, something that you or I might buy and use for ourselves. And even within that band, there are a ton of ways we might be able to use drones. This is a flying robot that's going to be out
2: in the skies above our head. And what would it actually mean to live with these things? And that's,
0: that's, that's what we were really interested in investigating. That's Anab Jain, the founder and director of a design practice called Superflux. In July, Superflux released a project called the Drone Aviary, where they imagined 10 different applications for drones in everyday life. Everything from a drone that directs traffic, to a surveillance drone, to an advertising drone that uses facial recognition to detect your identity and then project targeted ads at you in mid-air. The drone, in a sense, is is almost like this kind of um, um,
2: flamboyant icon of something much, much deeper
0: that we actually find difficult to put our fingers on and even talk about. The 10 drones they built were simply experiments. Ideas, but they're so plausible, so believable, that Jane says that they got a few interesting emails about the project. It's, it's funny
2: because we got like emails from investors actually saying, Hey, we want to invest in your drones. What are you going to do about them? We were like, oh gosh, you know, like, and,
0: and like serious people say, So, are you going to make them? Are you going to actually build them? And that's absolutely not the intention. This is all to say that drones are coming. You probably already know that. And when it comes to personal drones, Jane says that she can imagine something like the selfie drone being integrated into social media pretty easily. This could be a drone that Instagram or Facebook or whatever sends
2: you, as you know. This is your window into the network and you know, constantly live streaming your life to your social media network.
3: I still think people might carry them when they go on holiday on vacation or whatever, you know. Um, and then you'll be going to, like, Ellis Island or somewhere, and there'll be, like, hundreds of drones. Done, and there'll just be this constant buzz of these drones right above your head all the time, you know.
0: That's Tim Mon, a journalist and science fiction author whose stories often include drones. And he says that actually it's kind of hard to write about drones in fiction these days.
3: I wrote a story, Ghost Hardware, where people are using drones for graffiti. And between being commissioned to write it and it being published... Someone had already done that. And I think this is the thing with drones, that the the cycle between um, science fiction, speculation and and, and stuff hitting the market uh, right now is is, is, is that the gap is really, really tight. It's really small.
0: What will probably happen is not that you have to buy a bunch of individual purpose drones, one for selfies, one for tracking your kid, one for taking footage of protests or the police, but instead that you'll buy one drone and then that drone will have apps on it just like your smartphone.
3: One of the ideas I had a few months ago was the idea of like a, a, a an app that follows your cat. So that, you know, you literally, while you're at work, you're in your office and you're bored, you can pull up either on your phone or on a, on a web browser and see exactly what your cat's doing, like wherever it is. And it's kind of like a frivolous idea. And then you start thinking about it and it's actually like, no, people would totally go for that.
0: I would totally watch other people's cats.
3: You would watch other people's cats. Exactly. You, you've, you've got ahead of me there. that's the next stage because then you become this, you have this social network for watching other people's cats.
0: When drones have apps, they could be used for all sorts of things. Some good, some confusing, and some kind of terrifying. You could use it for insurance claims, for example. I think insurance companies are going to think a lot carefully about people having personal drones and what
2: they inspect about their own premises to, 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 to decide uh, loss versus uh, an insurance company's drone coming and deciding loss. You know, you, you are going to be having the capacity to do a new kind of evidence
0: gathering through your personal drone that you wouldn't do before. Or to keep yourself safe on your
3: bike. You can see people, you can see cyclists using them, right? The way that people use dash cams and helmet cams and stuff now. A drone flying, flying around behind you um, as you're cycling around New York it's gonna, with like a fisheye kind of like uh, GoPro-style lens on it, it's going to see much more of who's, who's knocking you off your bike than, than just a helmet cam, right?
0: But just for a second, imagine that everybody with a smartphone also has a drone. That might work just fine in, say, Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, or New York Mills, Minnesota. But now try to imagine what it would look like if every person with a smartphone in New York City, or Chicago, or Boston, was also being followed by a drone.
3: Just hard to imagine if everybody out there is is you know, if you're walking down the street and and for every every person sees a smartphone and you see someone with a drone, it's just I can't imagine quite how that's gonna gonna work. It's gonna be a complete swarm of 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 these little UAVs buzzing around everywhere.
4: The short answer to why you don't see um, folks just walking around with drones behind them um, uh, every in everyday life is because they're not allowed.
0: That's Ryan Kahlo, a law professor at the University of Washington who specializes in the legal issues surrounding robots and drones.
4: Drones are a really interesting um, technology, legally speaking, because generally we live in a system of negative liberties, which means that if you... Um, are not prohibited from doing something. You can do it, right? And so, if I want to know whether I can um, drag a second moon uh, over into our into into the atmosphere, um, I can unless there's some pro- <laughs> prohibition. It. Overstating, but you know. But if I want to know whether I can wear a hat and ride my bicycle on a Sunday, um, you know, I can unless there's some law, you know, saying I can't or requiring a helmet or whatever it happens to be. But with drones. The Federal Aviation Administration has characterized them as aircraft. And so the default is not permissive, it's not permission to use drones. The default is um, that they're regulated and you may not use them. Um, And then the FAA has made a series of, of, of exceptions.
0: So right now, there are a few ways to legally operate a drone, and for our purposes, the reason these personal drones would be legal is because they're considered hobbyist drones. But under the hobbyist exception, there are a few important rules. Things like the drone has to stay below 400 feet, and the operator of the drone has to be able to see the thing at all times. Which makes a lot of applications, in which a drone operates on its own, impossible. But Kalo says that this way of regulating drones can and probably will change in the future.
4: I think it very likely will flip um, uh, uh, to it's, it's lawful, but there are some, there are some rules. Um, you know, and, and we've seen this before, uh, not to get all Battlestar Galactica on you, but I mean, if you Always think about... Always
0: welcome here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, if you look at, for instance, hot air balloons... Hot air balloons were introduced. People didn't know how they worked, what to make of them, and when they were first being used in operation. Now there weren't the sort of same kind of background regulatory infrastructure that you know you have today. Um, so that was more permissive. But the tort law, the, to- the law under which you'd sue another another person, that decided to hold these, these hot air balloons to so-called strict liability, meaning that if you, if you messed up with a hot air balloon and you took some, something out or you landed someplace you shouldn't have or, or someone got hurt in any way, something fell out of the balloon, then you were strictly liable no matter how much care you, you, you took. Um, and that 's not the usual way of things with tort law. Usually, you have to be negligent. you have to do something you know that you, that you shouldn 't have and they did strict liability because it, no one really understood these things, no one knew how to use them we weren 't familiar. but then over time, as we got to be more familiar, as the technology improved, as we came to form expectations around you know hot air balloons, then it did it flipped to an ordinary negligence regime where you really have to be falling below the records of standard of care in order to be held accountable. Um, and so I would see it, I envision a similar story around drones, where as people, as they get better and, and, and people get more familiar with them and all these education campaigns reach the right people and when it's appropriate to use it or not, um, I, could, I could absolutely envision a legal world in which there are certain things you can't do, but mostly you can do things.
0: And once the legal setup for drones flips so that they're legal with exceptions, you might see all kinds of interesting uses emerge including yes uber for drones
4: so imagine for instance um there's a bunch of drones at the zoo and um or maybe that would scare the animals uh, or they would get attacked but imagine that there's a bunch of drones at a sculpture park or there's a bunch of drones at a, at a particular place and members could you know take them out and
3: fly around and and I think that might be a possibility, though the idea that you don't own a drone, but that the that you, there's a fleet of drones out there somewhere that you can summon, you know, like perched on buildings, or maybe there are other people's drones that you kind of rent out for a small time. You know,
4: or or just to, uh, drones for parents to fly over the um to fly over the playground and make sure that you know their kid is accounted for. You know, like I mean, literally
0: there's, there's, helicopter parents.
4: Really, literal helicopter <laughs>
0: parents.
4: Like, yeah. Exactly. You could, you could imagine literal helicopter parents just helicoptering around.
3: Um.
0: But this also gets us to the point where drones kind of scare me.
3: Can you use Uber for drones to stalk people, right? So if you can call Uber for drones and it sends a drone that follows you around based on an image you've uploaded through the app or something, what are the regulations, what are the ways of stopping you from doing that for someone else? And, that, and that's, that's kind of scary.
2: You can actually go fly vertically, can't you? You won't need to fly <laughs> over your neighbor's house, and how are they going to decide um, at what feet is their house visible, and how and how is that kind of you know what is Google Maps and Google Street View doing already?
4: If you buy a drone and it is app enabled, and someone um, writes or buys a Dive Bomb Rose app that uses facial recognition to dive bomb you when it sees you, right? Um, or, you know, take pictures, find Brad Pitt and take pictures of a map. We're going to have to strike an interesting and different balance with robots because they have physical consequences. There's software that can touch you. Uh, you know, I've argued that we that that's a crucial thing to figure out because without it, um, it, it, it will just be, you know, it'll just be, you know, kind of remote controlled. And for it to be an interesting consumer product, I really think we have to, figure out this apps for drones issue.
0: So our future may be full of rules and regulations and laws about when and where and how we can use drones or which apps are legal in which settings.
3: We went to Machu Picchu uh, last year and, and the views are standing and I, I was stood at the top looking down there thinking, yeah, this place, they're going to they're gonna ban drones here.
0: But it might also be that none of this happens. It might be that drones are simply a fad, that they'll just go away.
3: They might be a fad. They might be something that in like three, four, five years, everybody buys one, and two years later, nobody's using them.
0: Or maybe they'll fall into a more in-between space. Not quite as ubiquitous as smartphones, but not quite as loathed as the Segway.
3: I'm trying to think. It's maybe something more along the lines of a games console than a a smartphone, right? In that it's something that people will... Some people will get very passionate about and use all the time, And some people will see it as a fad and just buy one, but only use it occasionally.
0: Whatever happens with drones, we can't treat them as though they're a standalone future, a single piece of technology that will move us in one direction or another. Instead, drones are deeply connected with a whole bunch of future decisions that we have to make about things. It'll never fly in the way that businesses think it
2: will. It's, never going to, it's going to crash a lot, you know, it's going to break a lot, which is what we learned whilst building them and make, getting them to fly in the studio. But, but, but more importantly, uh, however much it'll fly and however much it'll crash, there'll be all these other things connected to it. So drones and facial recognition are deeply connected, as is uh, tracking and logging and um, data centres and, and advertising. And, you know, all these things are so deeply connected. And I think exposing evidence of this kind
0: of soft infrastructure space is, is is important and if drones do become ubiquitous for better or for worse that's when they'll become really interesting
3: one of my philosophies on on that makes me sound pretentious one of my philosophies on on speculative writing like this is these technologies only become interesting when they're mundane right you know when they're the, when they're the, when they're the, just uh, just owned and used by, like, early adopters, is never as interesting as when they're, they're owned and used by, by the mass market, because that's when you start to get culture that arises out around these technologies.
0: For more about drones, the future of flying robots, and how we might or might not integrate them into our daily lives, head to gizmodo.com, where, as usual, we'll post links to more information. Also, if you listen to this podcast and have a quick second to fill out a survey about what you like and don't like about it, I would really appreciate it. The link for the survey will be at the bottom of the Gizmodo post. Or you can find the link on the Meanwhile in the Future Twitter stream. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast from Gizmodo. It's produced by me, Rose Eveleth, with help from the Gizmodo staff. Special thanks this week to Darren Orff and Alyssa Walker. Our intro music is by Asura and our outro music is by Broke for Free. That's all for this future. Come back next week for a new one.